Hello and welcome to the FinGen Show. I'm your host, Ferris Salami, and thank you so much for being with us today. This episode is brought to you by International Strategic Management. We support organizations that support or launch entrepreneurship activities in their local communities with a focus on underserved, underrepresented, or under-resourced communities. Welcome, everyone. Today's episode is about how to support entrepreneurs especially in the underserved communities. And I've been fortunate for the past 20 some years to work in these communities all over the world. What might be in the US in underserved, underrepresented or a minority group like immigrants or women overseas has translated to maybe communities are a little bit further or remote or they're maybe under-resourced. And what I've learned, of course, I've gotten lucky to also work with some that are really resourced or are full of resources. What I've been fortunate to do is learn from all these awesome organizations as well as people who are involved in these activities on what they really do to make things work for the entrepreneurs in their community. And the work we've done most of the time starts with usually strategies. So you really get to understand how people are thinking about deploying the community. And what I've learned really quick for you to support entrepreneurs in a community, whether it's a startups or small business, whether it's a tech or place-based entrepreneurship, it's really the approach that makes a difference. <clears throat> Excuse me. And what I mean by that is how do you think about your entrepreneurs in your community is what makes the biggest difference. In some of the communities, we had a discussion about are the entrepreneurs there wannabes? Are they serious about it? Have they been entrepreneurs before? What are some of the blocks that they might have faced? And you may think, first, every entrepreneur community has those kinds of questions. Truth is, yes and no. Yes, it does have some of those questions. And no, sometimes it doesn't. When does it not have it? What I've learned is sometimes if there's an impression that the individuals who are participating are either well-connected, highly educated, or well-resourced, then those questions may not arise. They seem to arise mainly in underserved, underrepresented, or under-resourced communities. And I think part of it is the belief that we may have as organizations supporting those entrepreneurs that we may have to do more things for them. And I don't want to discount that because it's true. There might need to be some additional training or facilitated discussion or whatever other supports you may have to provide. But I also want to caution us because sometimes what we've learned, especially when we work with youth, that some of the times the teachers that are running the classrooms are taking the stance of that these kids maybe need more attention. What we've learned is if we actually step back many of them will step up. There will always be someone who is left behind. And that's when you have to step in and help them. But the majority really step up. And what we discovered is when you let them move out of the way and let them step up, actually some magical things happen. They start being excited about the work that they're doing or the experience that they're learning or the opportunities that they might be provided. And some of the barriers, I'm going to call them self-defense mechanism that they may use to not mention something or not share information that is vital for you to help them overcome 
then allows them to really open up and be a little bit more vulnerable, which in return, you're able to support them in much more meaningful, better way. Let's take a break and we'll be right back to discuss how do we continue to support these amazing entrepreneurs and leaders in the communities that we serve? We'll be right back after these short messages. Welcome back. And thank you so much for joining us at the FinGen Show. We're discussing, as we mentioned before the break, about how to support entrepreneurs and small business owners, mainly in underserved, underrepresented, or under-resourced communities. And we talked a little earlier about the need of us moving out of the way to let them move their way in. And I really want to emphasize that definitely needs some attention to this, the mechanism that is in place to support those individuals, because many times they do need additional information or support. But in the beginning, especially with the startup phase, sometimes actually less is more. And what I mean by that is the more you study of what needs to happen, the more you may realize that you may need to study more before you launch it. And at one point, somebody's just got to have to do it to move forward. Now, we don't want to get anyone in trouble because yes, it does take a lot and the, you know, the potential of losing everything is high. And that's the reality. It's also the reality is if we start thinking focused about the transaction that they need to do or the things that needs to be happening before they could launch, then becomes a little bit more realistic. Let me elaborate. Not every business has to be a big business that every business person needs to be a multimillionaire or billionaire. It could be that this is a lifestyle or a purpose style or a purposeful life that they wanna lead this organization or start this business. Maybe they identify a problem or an opportunity within the community that they live in, these entrepreneurs. The best way to support them is to help them understand what is it that they're trying to get out of it. So therefore we could support them to get it. Let me explain. Entrepreneur wants to start a business because they need to replace their job income. We don't need to talk about, you know, 200,000, 500,000 or a million dollars. We need to talk about what would it take to replace that income that they lost. And it could be that I lost $800 a month. I lost $800 a week. I lost whatever that dollar amount is. It's really irrelevant for the conversations of what they need to do. Once we identify what is the income that they're trying to accomplish, then we start backtracking the questions. What is it that you will be selling services, products, or whatever, it, you know, or technology, whatever way they choose, it doesn't really matter. And let's just say they're averaging, they would like to make $1,000 a week. And they sell these items for 50 bucks. It's a meal, it's a framing, it's a juice, whatever it is that they're selling for $50 or $20. Then we just help them do the math. What's the actual cost of making that product? Well, the actual cost is $5, $20, whatever that cost is. All right. So basically you're making, we're going to make this up, an average of $20 a transaction. You would like to make $1,000 a day. So that means how many transactions do I need to do? Well, it's really simple. If you're making $20 at $50, 50 customers for the day or 50 customers for the week, that's their $1,000.
I'm pausing because I want you to think about that. It's not about 500 customers. It's not about 5,000 customers. Now we're talking about 50 customers for that week. Now that number might seem impossible for those who are starting, but those who, those of us who've been around for a while, we know that's now it's a matter of a numbers game. What is the numbers game? Well, we know from our basic knowledge of sales and marketing that it takes roughly a hundred calls, sometimes maybe a thousand calls, whatever that number is, to get the X number of sales that you need for the day. So therefore, it's really simple. Let's go ahead and make those calls. If I need to sell 50 for the week, that means roughly 10 a day. That means roughly one every hour if I'm working 10 hours a day or two, <clears throat> excuse me, or two every hour if I wanna work five hours a day or whatever that number is. Then it's really simple. How many people do I need to talk to to get to that number? Now, sometimes it's not feasible because I have to drive from one place to another, but sometimes it might be. It's phone calls that I'm making or one building at a time or one neighborhood at a time. Help them figure out how to get there. Help them figure out what they need to get there. They're trying to get funding or they're trying to raise money because they want to have a loan before they start. Help them understand that that loan has to be paid back. And can you afford making those payments upon not starting the business yet? And how long would it take for you to get there? These simple questions that we may think not important or relevant can really inspire entrepreneurs in the communities that you're serving to better understand what would it take to start and launch these businesses or grow them. And with your support to them and by us helping them understand some of these questions and helping them figure it out what they need to do and let them decide what they'd like to do with it or not, we could potentially unleash a lot of other ideas from those entrepreneurs that could potentially can support the communities that they live in and prosper the way they like to be prospered. As we continue to learn from these amazing entrepreneurs and amazing organizations that we work with globally, I encourage you to rethink how you approach your training programs, your engagement of the entrepreneurs or small business support services in your community. I encourage you to rethink it. I encourage you to challenge it. I encourage you to open it up and watch and see what could unfold. Till next time, thank you for being with us today. I'm your host, Farah Salami, and this is The Fingen Show.